Welcome to Dars Conversations, the show where we talk to people from around the world of digital marketing and customer service about the tactics that they use to, well, do their jobs every day. I'm your host, Arnav Patel, and this week I spoke with Jerome Vanderlinden, CEO at the Bot Implementation Institute, about how he and his company are helping businesses learn more about their customers using chatbots, so essentially finding consumer insights. Now, the way that they're doing this is super interesting. For the uninitiated, traditionally, if a business wanted to learn more about their customers' preferences, they'd have to carry out a market research study. Now, most market research studies consist of a combination of qualitative and quantitative research. On the quantitative side, they usually conduct surveys, and the beauty of surveys is that you can do a lot of them. Since they are self-administered, you can conduct thousands of them for relatively cheap. Now, unfortunately, surveys can only get you so far because they tend to give you relatively surface level data and you often miss key insights that could be useful to your business because you're framing the survey before you actually talk to any customers. To get around this issue, what researchers do is they also employ qualitative research. And qualitative research usually entails conducting in-depth one-on-one interviews with customers to understand their thinking better. Uh, And usually you use your insights from those interviews to frame your survey questions to ensure that you don't miss anything. Now the issue with interviews is that they are time and labor intensive. You need an actual human interviewer to spend 30 to 60 minutes talking to one person to get a single data point. And that means that you can't do interviews at scale. At max, you can maybe get a few dozen in before you need to switch over to surveys. And the end result is that most researchers have to strike this delicate balance between quantity of data and quality of data. Jerome and his team are actually fixing this problem by automating the process of conducting interviews through chatbots. Now, I don't want to give away too much of what Jerome was going to say in the actual interview out yet, but the end result of this approach of automating interviews through chatbots is that it makes the process of conducting a market research study considerably cheaper, and it actually helps researchers get more in-depth information from their customers. Now, even if you run a small or mid-sized business and you're thinking to yourself, I'm never going to run a market research study for my company, I highly suggest that you give this interview a listen because it'll give you an idea of how you can use chatbots to get insights from your consumers and improve the way you run your business. And with that, here's Jerome. What we try to do is we try to help um, companies with their consumer engagement. So really by focusing on conversational bots, be it voice, be it chatbots, in order, uh, and then both uh, linear and non-linear, in order to get the most in terms of consumer engagement out of it. And, and we do this through two key things, basically. One is online training courses. So we provide online training courses um, to individuals, but also to companies in terms of groups and so on, and consulting. And for consulting, ideally, and, and essentially what we do is we go in, identify uh, the, the requirements, discuss what the requirements are, the needs are, the current situation, and then basically build an overall action plan on the basis of that, together with the organization itself. The main difference that we are a little bit, so we're a little bit of like, 
agency, learning agency, consultancy. And what we're trying to do is, uh, and it's based in the, the frustration that we have from working with consultants, is mainly when you work with consultancy, in a lot of cases, you start but you never seem to be able to get rid of the consultants and, and you continue, you continue, you continue, and there's no real learning curve there. And what we try to do is when we come in, we not only consult, but we teach at the same time. So basically the next time you don't need us, you can do it yourself and your teams are able to basically implement bots yourself so that you don't have to rely on an agency every time if you want to move forward and want to make changes, want to bring in your own product and so on. Interesting. Yeah, I like that approach of uh, sort of giving your customers the tools they need to not need you anymore. Uh, there's this, I don't know if they run this anywhere else, but there's this ad over here in the States uh, for this app called Hinge. It's a dating app and the right. sort of pitches. It's the dating app that's made to, be da- made to be uninstalled because ideally you find someone and then you have to uninstall the app. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a, a, a similar kind of approach. Um, well, this is our approach in how we build conversations as well. We usually refer to that as a, as a reference where you sit in a bar and basically date because it's always this engagement between, on the one hand, your, your audience and on the other hand, yourself or your bot, basically. And if that clicks, if that uh, magic is there, then ideally you have a fabulous conversation. And out of curiosity, what sorts of use cases are you guys working on? Because obviously there's a a wide array of different it's a very things wide you can do array. with chatbots. Yeah. So uh, this is, um, so far what we're trying to focus on at the moment is mainly in the area of CPG. But we've had a number of cases where con- uh, clients came to us and requested uh, work in other areas. Uh, we had some discussions regarding banking. We had some discussions um, and we worked on some projects in terms of uh, labor management as well, which is completely out of CPG area. Uh, but it was a very interesting business case, effectively, because what they wanted to do is it is a Dutch company who's managing basically the when people are calling in sick, they manage the entire roadmap from beginning to end to get them back to work as quickly as possible. And And here... We had a lot of uh, discussions as well in terms of how we can elevate that and bring it to a more um, uh, automated approach so that effectively your case workers who are now spending almost 100% of their time just calling and calling and calling are actually bringing value-added elements by focusing on those things that are important, those real serious cases rather than the day-to-day enough. Could you tell me a little bit about how CPG customers are using chatbots? Because when I think of chatbots, uh, and this is obviously my own personal bias working at TARS, mm-hmm. I generally think of it in the context of services as a lead yep. gen tool or as a customer support tool. I'd be curious yep. to know how CPG brands are making use of chatbots to improve their operations. It's very similar, basically, to what you're mentioning there as well. It's very much customer service oriented, but at the same time as well, what it is is consumer engagement. It's really about brand engagement because a lot of brands are more and more going out there directly themselves in order to engage with the consumer and get a better understanding. And in this area, currently, what we're trying to do as well is evolve a little bit, whereby because both Hans and I are coming more from the product background, and what we want to do and what, we're, what we really see a need for is this, this understanding in terms of 
what is going on with our consumer. I mean, every company wants to be customer-oriented, but not everybody has the capability of it. And in today's environment, where consumers are um, so fickle, effectively, and expect change in such a radical uh, time frame, more, the pressure on CPG is really there to bring more with less, effectively. Right in a much shorter time frame, they need to bring a product to market, uh, and they need to get that product through the entire scope of understanding what the needs of the consumer are, and so on and so on and so on. And what we're looking at now is really this aspect in particular, which is the qualitative market uh, consumer insight. And the qualitative consumer insight here is really a very interesting topic because effectively now it's highly traditional. It is still very much small-scale, little audience, one-on-one interviews, this kind of uh, type of uh, research. And what we're looking at is bringing the benefit of bots into that and expanding that. So where, for instance, now you have, on the one hand, qualitative research that sets your thesis, uh, that sets your main assumption, and then you use quantitative research um, survey in order to understand and prove that, that assumption that you've had. What we're thinking of and what we're working on is primarily bringing those two together, marrying those two, and focus purely on the qualitative item, taking full benefit of AI and, and full benefit of the conversational bots in order to have that dialogue and have that engagement with consumers. So you, you have, with that, you have a wealth of information and effectively the key burdens that you have in terms of budget constraints, in terms of timing constraints, and in terms of capabilities, you more or less remove off the table. You don't need massive teams then in order to basically do your market research and you're not reliant 100% of the time on external agencies that need to do the interview on spot, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that's, a, that's a use case which is I haven't personally used before at DARS, but mm-hmm. I find it an interesting use case because I'm a social science researcher by training myself. Yeah, you totally And me. one of the things that we always talk about is this trade-off between the quantitative and the qualitative. Um, yeah. Like on the, on the qualitative side, you're always going to get more meaningful insights just because Mm -hmm. when you have a human being sitting in front of another human being, they have the capability of sort of directing the conversation to to places which you can't obviously anticipate beforehand. Mm -hmm. You can't Mm -hmm. anticipate every single deviation that the conversation can take. Uh, So you get more meaningful insights through qualitative, but it's very hard to do it at scale because it's dependent on human beings. So that's where the quantitative comes in. You can reach more people. Obviously, each survey is going to be less uh, insightful, less deep, if you will, mm-hmm. than each mm-hmm. interview, but you can get a lot more of them. So you can you can get that confirmatory aspect that most yes. companies, most academics, most researchers want. Uh, and it seems like you guys are trying to bridge the gap between those two. You're essentially making it possible to do this deep qualitative research at scale. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a number of, um, and when we started it was basically, we started working on an, on, on the basis of a question from one of our uh, clients um, that we were discussing with. Um, and essentially, when we started doing the research as well, we saw some historical uh, research that was done, man versus machine, those kind of things. But that was done in 2018. And, and in all honesty, I mean, in the two years that have happened, the, the steps forward have been so dramatic already. 
that you see so many more capabilities coming in. And what we're trying to do is, is really tackle that challenge, which you mentioned, is yes, it is very difficult to anticipate any answer that a consumer has. However, there is a certain framework that even all qualitative researchers are working with. Uh, the interview framework is still there. It's your number of questions that you have that you need to go through in whichever form that is in order to reach to a successful interview, right? So what we're trying to do is basically take that at the heart of the work that we do and from then on really keep it as open as possible, as free dialogue as possible, and basically then anticipate or play into any of the feedback that the consumer can have. And there's a lot of um, work has been done in terms of what kind of entities can you do and so on as well. So it's, it's really the key challenge there is how to get that conversation going and how to get really to the, to the core of the questions. Because quantitative research is chosen by a lot of companies as, as a fallback, yeah, I mean, but it's still very much framed. And ultimately, with qualitative research, you need to have a base assumption already. Yeah, with con because if you don't have that base assumption, you don't know what to ask. So the questions going in into quantitative research are more or less already very framed towards a certain response. Now, what we're trying to do is step away from that and simply say, let's, let's try to keep the data as, as, or the questioning as open as possible. Use AI as much as possible to really anticipate or play into the responses that the consumer has in order to then get that dialogue going, get to the nitty-gritty of the details. And that's, honestly, it's a very interesting business case. Uh, and, and we see a very, very clear value into that as well. Because coming from ourselves, from big business, I know, I mean, I've, I've been working for years in automotive, and I know the value of I mean, the biggest frustration that you have within working in industry is basically when you enter into research, you have a six-month waiting period almost because you have to have the interviews, the data needs to be analyzed, and a lot of the stuff and a lot of the tools that are out there are still very much manual, manual categorization and so on. So. Here, we're really trying to leverage as much as possible the AI benefit in order to, to speed that up, accelerate it, and still get this skill element in order to validate your research. Because that's ultimately what quantitative research is. It validates, it validates, sorry, validates, it validates your qualitative research. Right. That makes a lot of sense. I'd be curious though, this, this is like a, it is a very compelling use case, but as with any social science research method, there is going to be, there are going to be some drawbacks to it. And I'm Absolutely. wondering, have you noticed if anything gets lost or anything is still hard to mimic from a human being in a chatbot context and whether that affects the end result, whether that affects the data that you're getting through these methods? In all honesty, that's very, very complicated because, and it's for two reasons. One is, I think when we're talking about qualitative research, in general, the assumption is that every researcher or every interviewer sitting in front of you is the cream de la creme. 
Yeah, it is the top notch in their field. They have no bias. They have no interference in terms of the overall interview, etc., etc., etc. And I think what we need to be very realistic about is that's not really the case. And to put it very, very politically friendly, because ultimately you have a person sitting in front of you, and if that person has a very bad day he will not get to the nitty-gritty of details. Or if he's already asked the same question 20 times, to different people, that is, the response is going to be, Meh. yeah, ah, another one that validates it. So in a lot of cases, when you look actually at qualitative research, it is, and, and I've heard and been to so many podcasts and blogs and so on and discussion points with these guys, within the industry as well. And effectively, the main feedback is, well, you only need about 20 interviews and then more or less you're already at, at what you need. But you and I both know that's not really the case. That's not really the, the principle of qualitative research. Qualitative research is there in order to try and capture those little nuggets that you didn't think were there, but all of a sudden pop up. Right? It doesn't happen in every case, but it's really the essential thing of that. And this is why we're trying to create this bot. And yes, the bot will not have the possibility of looking the uh, interviewer or the, the respondent in his eye or in her eye and understand that there's an underlying reason behind it. But in all honesty, the cases in which a researcher picks that up is what, probably 20% of the cases as well. What we're trying to say is, look, we're, we're doing a questioning which is very, very broad, which will not keep, um, pick up all the visual and the physical nuances that you would have with a consumer. But you have a number of benefits. One, you have a person who's interviewing that is completely unbiased. He's always friendly. He's always engaging. And basically... When you sit on the sofa or when you stand in the queue in a supermarket or God knows what, you can engage with them in your own tone, in your own way, and so on, and they will capture your data. And ultimately, this is what you want. If you have in qualitative research, you bring somebody to a room. I mean, I've done it a couple of times. The first thing you start is like, oh, my God, you're going to prison. And that already determines a certain influence on your response. Because you will feel pressure to either give a more positive response or a more negative response on the basis of how the interviewer will act. With a bot, you don't have that. The only key issue that we have is, one, it needs to be engaging. And two, it needs to speak the language, basically, of the uh, respondent. And that is a critical point. And yes, you may lose a little bit on grabbing that physical impression. But ultimately, if I look at CPG and if I look at any big business, if I am a marketing director and I need to sign off on either a 30K investment on which I interview 20 clients in depth on an interviewer which hopefully has a good day and which might, 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 might pick up these little nuggets. And then we need to do another survey and quantitative and so on. But I have finance on my back and they want me to uh, reduce and effectively 
my budget has just gone down, but I still need to do five more products, etc. Or I have a tool which I know what it brings. I know I can still am free in terms of expanding and type of questions that I can direct towards my audience and so on. And I will get a much broader feedback, which is then analyzed within a much shorter time frame. I know what I would choose. Yeah, when you put it in those terms, the choice is pretty obvious. But a key point you mentioned over there is that for this to work, you need to be able to speak the language of the people you're yep. talking to. Yep. Uh, and you need to make the chatbot engaging. So how do you go yeah. about doing that? Do you, do you have any tips for that? Because that's what, mo- I mean, I guess that's at the end of the day, the challenge of any chatbot creator, but that is the thing that most people struggle with. Even Exactly. That is the most painful thing. And that's what's keeping me awake every, uh, every evening currently as well. So what we're trying to do is, I think the one critical thing that you need to start with, and, and that's what we basically advocate within our formula as well, which is our bot implementation formula. And, and we use that formula to, to effectively establish bots. And, and it's a very process-oriented approach in which we really go into the nitty-gritty. In there, we usually start with the why. And it is really about who, we're discuss- who is your audience. Huh? And most companies, let's face it, have that market research. They know who they're talking with. They know who their cu- customer is. Then we look at where in your journey do you discuss? Yeah, and that's uh, very clear on a lot of companies as well. Is at which point in the customer journey do they discuss or do they engage with the consumer? And then is overall uh, why in terms of business reason. From there we go towards the design, and in the design, what we focus on first is persona. Now. On the persona, it's, and in particular when you come to market research, it becomes quite complicated because effectively you will have different audiences. So the main point that we did was we started looking at what are the potential business cases uh, that we can have and what are the potential personas that we can have because you will still have that. Now, when you do a normal chatbot, it is easy enough because your persona will be very much based on the customer or uh, customer audience that has been determined for that company or for that brand. In case of market research, there are still very uh, clear characteristics. But what we came back with is after analysis and so on, is that effectively, one, you need to break it down to what the essential points are and what the expectations of your respondent are in terms of bot engagement. And what we try to do is simply say, look, when you do market research, your main element that you want to bring forward is curiosity. It is curiosity, sympathy, non-leading, engagement. So you need to have somebody who is very curious so the bot needs to be very curious in, in, in terms of um, probing questions. But at the same time, the bot should not be perceived as being very preconceptive. Yeah, there shouldn't be any preconception when they respond in certain answers, etc. as well, because it becomes very difficult otherwise that you're leading the overall discussion. So what we try to do is create a bot which is... Um, we chose a female, basically, and or we're, lo- we're looking at a female persona currently, around 30 years of age, whereby the idea is really about building that 
slowly building that bond with your respondent on the basis of, ah, it's very interesting that you're into that. It is an, 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 a more inquisitive, joyful, inquisitive persona. And that is more the more generalist persona that we could find because ultimately you will have one bot that it needs to engage with a multitude of different audiences. So we, we tried to find the key elements within all those audiences, all of those potential audiences, on which the bot could engage. And ultimately, when we start implementing the overall engagement, what we'll do is we'll take the learnings from that, because that's always the key part in building a bot, is the iteration that you go back and basically see is how are they responding on this. So what we have is we have... Um, uh, an element which is part of our formula as well. And basically what we're trying to do here is look at the health of the conversation. And why, what we do is basically we look at how many conversations, what are the level of iterations that people have with the certain conversations, what are the response on the basis of that, and then give a, an overall pointing system towards that. So that you're very clear in terms of which type of questions are working, which type of questions are not working. And that will then basically further help to evolve the bot persona. But so far, we've, we've done a base persona, which is looking at key aspects of what would these target audiences engage with, eh, average CPG, and then bringing the inquisitive element and then basically use the next level, the me measurement phase of our bot implementation formula to further iterate and modify the bot going forward. I think that last phase that you mentioned, the measurement and the mm -hmm. iteration phase is one that a lot of people in the yeah. chatbot game miss, especially companies yeah. that are new to enter because people tend to approach chatbots as a as they would a website or a landing page where you build it, yeah. you test it out to see if it works, you deploy it, and then it's done. You might look at a heat map, you might look at a click chart, but pretty much you just build it once and then you're done. You might do a couple of overhauls at some point down the road, but there's no, there's not as much constant iteration. With a chatbot, it's, it, you're not really building towards an end goal. You're sort of just creating a process to just keep improving it. It's almost like a feedback loop. How do you convey that to someone who is used to thinking in the old way of, of design? Because people are conditioned to think about design in terms of traditional landing pages, traditional websites. How do you get them to sort of unlearn that sort of, sort of design thinking and start to think of software creation, especially in the context of chatbots, more as a constant process? Well, we bring it, we bring the bot implementation as a continuous improvement process. So, so essentially, we, we, we tackle it as a project, as any key project that you would have, whereby you have this element moving forward as well. And luckily, when you look at project management, this is still very much growing in, in, in organizations' understanding in terms of that they're really clearly starting to see the benefit of that. Some cases are, are extremely boring and so on, but they have their value moving forward. And I think this is what we're trying to bring really very clear is when we go in into a company, we always start with our key five steps. And we have our key five-step approach and, and we, we, we hammer that in into everybody. And we give them the tools for that as well. 
And when you look at any project management and you look at any activity, yes, I agree with you. Lots of people forget about the fact that you need to do the measure phase and you need to iterate. However, I think when you look at um, elements such as social media advertising, a lot of the elements there as well are about do I have traction, yes or no? And for us, with a bot, it is exactly the same thing. What we're trying to engage really is, is this phase whereby when you start developing your conversations, you do the back-to-back. And the back-to-back is effectively, when we teach that as well, people are sitting, so we put two members of the team, and we do a lot of it in team in group format. And you put them two members of the team back-to-back, and they basically start trying out the conversations. And they see really the value on that, because what you have in your mind as a possible return, a possible return answer, there is a multiplication of 100,000 of that and possible answers. Right. I mean, it's never what you mean, what you think is the case, because you come to the table with certain uh, preconceptions, with certain education, with certain background, whereas the person sitting behind you may have a completely different background, but is still in the same target group. And I think this is something that is, is really key is also what we've seen is when we go into building a bots with companies, a lot of companies say, we know our customer, don't worry about it. Yet, it is based on the basic market research and so on. But when you start looking at it in detail, effectively what it looks is in the end, they may think they know the customer, but it's very much based on their preconception on what they want their customer to be. And believe me, I'm, I'm coming from automotive, and in automotive, it's very, very common to have more or less every audience for your car is around 35 years old, uh, two earner, high income, etc. Yeah, young family, etc., etc., etc. It is never the case like that, because ultimately you will have buyers who will buy for a sports car and will have a completely different family composition. Whereas uh, you have uh, um, an older generation, which is effectively kids out of the house, they're looking for completely different behavior. And so naturally those elements are being brought in, but the wishful desire is always our audience is 30 years old, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And unfortunately, if you look at it, there's not that many audiences out there which are 35 years old, because otherwise everybody would be targeting the same audience. So what we're trying to do is really bring into, take your history. What is your current as-is situation? What is your current as-is consumer? And then start engaging with those consumers on their values, on their basis. And from there, you evolve it. And if you then have a desire to be organization, that is elements which you can later on integrate and add to your bot. But ultimately, you want to sell there where you're currently selling and you want to enhance that selling, right? So this is what we're really focusing on is, is bring it as a continuous improvement, do small steps. So when you look at it, you have a customer journey. In the customer journey, you would have engagement 
points, let's say seven engagement points, our, our view would be, look, guys, we look at which engagement point for you, if we automate it, would bring the highest value with the best return. Yeah. On the basis of that, we build a plan on tackling that one with the team running in parallel so that they understand effectively all the steps that need to be done in order to do it. And then you start working and you start iterating. Then you start building the bots. Then you go through the overall exercise and see, ah, but you need to trade this because your assumption as a bot builder is completely different from what your consumer wants to see. And, and, and it's very difficult to get that bias out. So what we really say is it is this continuous improvement simply because you are continuously in a learning cycle as well. You are continuously learning on how your consumer wants to engage. And that is a critical point. It almost sounds like the best practices that you have to use to build a chatbot are sort of the best practices that you have to use to build any other form of customer engagement. Like in an ideal world. Absolutely these are the sorts of considerations that companies should anyways be making that they are not. And I guess in a, in a way, since chatbots sort of cut out the middleman of like a, an interface that the user has to use, and there's a, some amount of guesswork involved in trying to figure out what the user is thinking, what the, uh, what this click click funnel or what this, uh, what this click map shows you. Um, Plus you the, see the immediate result. Exactly. You see the, you see the immediate result. Uh, and it's scary. It is scary. It, 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 forces you, it forces you to think about your customers in a way. I'm trying to think of the correct words to articulate this, but I think it, it sort of forces companies to think of their customers in a way that they should have been already, but they aren't. Yeah. Because it, it, it creates a more direct connection between the company and the customer. It, it creates a, an immediate interface. It is almost the same as you picking up your phone and SMSing or messaging to your customer. Only in this case, the bot does it for you. But it still brings your message that you want to bring to the consumer. And you better, before you do it, and uh, any marketing director will, will tell this, or any CMO will tell this, is you need to really come back to the essence in terms of who we want to contact, what do we want to say, etc. But now bringing that to essence when you're actually doing it yourself and not briefing an agency or anything like that, it, it, it is, in a lot of cases, scary. But I think it is a massive learning cycle for a lot of companies as well on how to engage with their consumers because you will get so much more insight of it. Immediately, there is no filter anymore. You know exactly what your customer wants. And it's much better than NPS. <laughs> it's not a very high bar. <laughs> <laughs> but still. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. That's true. But for, for a lot of companies, NPS is, is, is the, the, the pinnacle. And it's the crucial. So would you recommend this company in the future? And, and, and this is what I always have. I mean, talk is cheap in that sense. And it's, yes, it's very easy to say, yeah, sure, of course. Bing. But it doesn't say the true value. The true value is, is when you communicate with your consumer in real time, on the time when he wants to be engaged, and effectively you get a response. That is the trap. Because that is ultimately where your conversation, where your communication is going to. Forget about your, your TV ads and all this kind of stuff and so on. This is not where the future is going to be. 
there's too much choice out there. I mean, I don't know for yourself, but I have currently Disney Plus, Netflix. Um, my own provider is is giving me um, the 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 record and playback options and so on as well. I do not read any paper anymore. I only read anything in terms of digital. My mail is completely bombarded with anything. So honestly, I don't even look at that, but I go out and I choose what I want to see. That's the future of audience. So if you have an engagement with your audience, which is extremely pure and which is really engaging and brings value for the customer, he will come back and he will endorse your brand. And if he endorses your brand, he will bring other customers to endorse your brand. And that's the future of marketing. This is why for us, I mean, bots is the thing because ultimately it doesn't do the mass buy now, buy now, buy now with all the emojis and all this kind of stuff. Now, what it does is it gives the consumer an engagement point when he wants it. When you want to go to bed, actually your bot can engage on your behalf with the parameters you set up in order to have an ultimate and optimum consumer engagement so that your marketing guys can actually focus on what is the content that needs to be delivered to that consumer to keep that engagement going and not on, oh my God, I need to pump out this email here, this email there, this email there. There's a sense with the advent of the internet, with the advent of advent of websites and landing pages, that that is sort of the peak. That is the ultimate way to interact with customers. Like this is the future. Uh, this is better than everything that came before it. But when you think about it a little deeper, all of these newer ways that we've come up to uh, engage with customers are essentially shortcuts to scale. I mean, the way I think about it is we primarily work with digital marketers to optimize Mm -hmm. their landing pages. Now, there is a sense amongst digital marketers, just because they're so used to using landing pages, that landing pages are the ultimate way to interact with customers who click on an ad. Um, Mm -hmm. Landing pages are more advanced because they are digital than an actual conversation with someone over the phone or an actual conversation with someone in person, or Mm -hmm. I guess now on Zoom. Yep. But that's, that's not actually what it is. Essentially, what a landing page is doing is, again, it goes back to the qualitative, quantitative thing we were talking about before. It is not going to be as engaging as that in-person conversation. It might be higher tech just because it's digital, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be anywhere near as engaging as that initial conversation. It's just going to allow you to reach more people because it's not feasible for you to have a conversation with every single person who clicks on yep. your ad. And what chatbots essentially allow you to do is to, again, marry the, marry the best of both of these worlds. You get the reach, you get the scale of a traditional digital channel or a, just a traditional marketing channel with the sort of intimacy and the personality of the human conversation that you would, in an ideal world, be having with everyone who walks in through the door. Yes. And without, if you do it correctly, without the pushiness. Because when I engage on a telephone basis, I usually feel very much pushed. Sorry, guys, I don't want. Whereas with a bot, I determine. You know, it's, it's almost like you determine your own fate. You empower people, but you still bring them through a certain conversation. You're still able to bring that message out there. But you don't force them to engage on, the, on, on your turf. 
you in, you uh, force them to engage on their turf. They are the decider in this one. And then it's part of, uh, I see today's culture as a decision culture. We have a multitude of, I mean, I'm suffering heavily from data overload. I mean, I, I have uh, five email accounts. Uh, my website is overflowing up to uh, my social media. Um, um, and I, I, I live by my telephone almost. Not because I'm in bots, that's part of it, but, but to be very honest, I mean, look at how often you have your telephone. The first thing you do when you wake up, you pick up your telephone. It's next to my bed. It is my alarm clock. It is my everything. And now I have my watch as well, which is also connected to the old thing, etc. So every bit of data is out there. Every, every element is getting connected. But ultimately, what I want is something, none of that makes you feel like you're talking on a one-on-one level. And this is what I like with bots. It does make you do that if you do it correctly. Because if you have a bot, and this is why we're pushing so heavily on the formula as well. The formula is for us a key part as well is a certain behavior, which is what should you not do and what should you do? For instance, never say that the bot is human. Yeah, because the bot is not human. Let's be very transparent about that and so on. And let's not try to confuse the consumer. If you use the bot as a tool with which you try to hammer your message through, I'm sorry to say you're lost case already and you, you're basically killing it for the rest of it. And, and that's, that's really the crucial point here is with great power comes great responsibility. I love Spider-Man. I'm sorry. Uh, but, but that's the case ultimately. It is about you have a capability out there which allows you to do, reach so many people. So let's do it properly and bring those people on board if they want to be brought on board. I love the use of the Spider-Man quote. That is one we use a lot at DARS as well, especially in the context of our WhatsApp chatbots. Because chatbots do give you an unprecedented degree of power as a marketer. You have the ability to reach a lot of people in a very intimate context. And the way you handle that responsibility is going to, as you mentioned, one, decide your own fate using that chatbot, but it's also going to decide pretty much every other company in the world's fate um, in engaging that same person with a chatbot. Because if you do a bad job, I found, especially with chatbots, mm-hmm. people are not too willing to give you a second chance. People get alienated very quickly with chatbots. Yeah. Yeah, I have, um, usually when I start discussing about chatbots, the first reference is, ah, that's the little icon on your website. Is, eh, not really, but Okay. Um, and then it's, yeah, but it's so annoying always. It's always popping up, et cetera, as well. And yes, it is. But I mean, you have some really good websites where it's really well done, where it's, it's inviting you to engage with the consumer because it wants to help. And I think that's, that's the feeling that you need to give. We are in a service environment. The consumer is king. So, so let's, let's treat him like that. Right. And it's, it's almost like it's a choice between, if you do a chatbot well, it can ideally someday become something like Jarvis from Iron Man, where it's like this ultimate, <laughs> you know, all-knowing, all-seeing AI. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm not, but my, my girlfriend is. Ah, okay. but I am. I like it. <laughs> yeah. My kids and so on, I love it. Yeah. 
but the the alternative if you if you don't implement it well is i think chatbots start to feel a little bit more like clippy the assistant yeah. on windows back in the day yeah. that no yeah. one liked um yeah. so that's the choice that a lot of businesses need to make and i don't think that enough enough businesses are making it which is a little troubling for me but hopefully no, but this is why it's so important to get the proper opt in to get a proper engagement to get a proper profiling persona and all this kind of stuff because that's really what sets it apart yeah and 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 this is really what we keep hammering on every time now what we're trying to do with the marketing with the qualitative marketing stuff is is basically an extension of that it's really trying to get to the nitty gritty of that and use the benefit of a bot to have that personal engagement level because our conviction is really that when i talk to a bot i don't have the feeling that i need to look over my shoulder that i have to you know that you almost think standing there naked in front of the classroom and your teachers ask you you know that 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 nightmare with some people have when i chat to a bot i am in my own environment and in my own web behavior and i'm much more natural in terms of how i engage and that's what we're trying to bring here a little bit not to take away any jobs for anybody or whatever but really about bringing it back to basic and bringing their the value there where where the value needs to be brought and helping companies ultimately doing effectively more with less i think i have got my money's worth with that that's a great okay. line to end on mm-hmm. um thank you for joining us today jerome it was my pleasure it, it was, was great having you it was fun yeah it was fun yeah. we should keep the conversation going absolutely And for those of you listening, don't forget to tune in next week for another episode and to subscribe if you haven't already done so on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a good one.